They were called nasties and they were nasty. Some of the things that we've seen are so horrific. These films not only affect young people, but I believe they affect dogs as well. An extravaganza of gory violence, capable of depraving and corrupting those who watched it. I have never seen a video, mister. I wouldn't. I actually don't need to see what I know is in that film. Hi everyone and welcome to Doing the Nasty Podcast. This is season two, episode number 17. And I'm your host, Duncan McLeish. Joining me as always is my co-host with the most, Mark Ball. How you doing, sir? I'm doing good. You got the episode number right, like, immediately. I, I had to think about it for a second there. I was like, oh shit, yeah, it's fucking 17. I saved the project file in advance and it says it at the top of my screen. Ah, there you go. <laughs> I should never make this mistake again now. This would be like, it's only taken me 16 episodes to work that out. Um, but now I, I'm, an, I'm a learning machine, Mark. Very slow learning machine, but I am a learning machine. We have a... We have an interest that we don't have an interest in the show. We have a fucking grim as fuck show um, <laughs> ahead. It's the, like, I was saying to Mark just off air, and he's in the same boat as me. We are both tired today. We're like, I got my I got my first uh, vaccination shot on Friday. Oh, nice. I've not had any of the flu symptoms that people have been talking about. My arm's not really been sore. I know a lot of people have been talking about that with the, the Pfizer jab. But I have been completely wiped of energy. Like just that was, yeah, my, tired. my thing mostly. Oh, uh, all the time. Just and that, I'm I don't function well tired because I spend ninety nine percent of my life not tired. Uh, so th- this is a it's a foreign concept for me. And having to sit this weekend and um, watch one of my favorite horror movies ever made was a delight. And then watch a movie which, in my memory, in my mind, Mark, was not as grim in my memory as it was reviewed this time and of course the lethargy didn't help <laughs> I just like last night I was just going why am I doing this to myself like why why <laughs> my god why yeah one of, one of these movies I actually didn't rewatch because I I've, I've seen it so many fucking times that I, I kind of just ran out of time but I have seen it like within the last year because I watch this around Halloween every mm-hmm. time uh, the other one I watched when I was in a really shitty mood the other night. Like, I don't know why I thought that was how I wanted to go about that. I was just like, I'm in a bad mood already. I'm not looking forward to this movie because I kind of know what it is already. Mm-hmm. And I, I just have to be like, we got another one coming up for the for the summer series that yeah. I may I may have to do the same thing. I like, I just have to be in this weird mind frame to watch stuff like this. Where I'm feeling kind of like, all right, just do your worst universe, like do your worst movie. Show show me like the most awful vile shit that you possibly can, because I did, you know, I'm already in a crappy mood, so maybe it'll just kind of level itself out. <laughs> uh, not really. That no. wasn't really my experience with one of these movies. It's was... um, it's, the, it's that thing where like the and and it's a cliche of the kind of noir movie where the grizzled detective finds. Like the photographs are the you know the the, the it's, you know what is it's eight millimeter, it's it's eight, it's it's eight millimeter. It's Nicholas Cage sitting down pouring himself a large whiskey, staring at a screen, going no, no, 
<laughs> well, that's, that's literally how you have to approach some of these cannibal movies, and we are on the in fact as a cannibal double bill on this episode, episode seventeen. We're looking at the yeah. Texas Chainsaw Massacre by Toby Hooper from nineteen seventy four. We are doubling it up um, with Cannibal, aka Cannibal. Was it Ultimo Mondo Cannibale? Yeah, really last, last Cannibal World, I think, is yep. really, and really Jungle Holocaust as well. Jungle Which Holocaust. Is, that's the fucking coolest title. That sounds like a thrash metal band. Yeah, it's from 1977, and it's directed by this little guy called Rogero Diodato, who would follow this movie up by making Eaten Alive, I think, is his next cannibal movie, which comes out months before his third swing at the cannibal genre, which is the one that everyone really remembers, which is Cannibal Holocaust. Okay, um, yeah, the, I was I was wondering about the order that these came out, kind of, because we did Eaten Alive on the show last year, yes. and it was another one where I was just like, man, you know, I fucking hate cannibal movies. <laughs> Here we are again watching another one. Yeah, he does, he does um, Eaten Alive, it's like, it's like six months before Cannibal Holocaust, so a lot of the Ritz Ortolioni score... And I think some of the shots are reused in Holocaust. Um, but this one, uh, the one specifically that we're going to be talking about, like, Diodato wasn't even supposed to be the guy who directed this one. This was originally supposed to be a Lenzi outing to bring Lenzi back to doing cannibal movies after he did a, a, a Man from Deep River, I think, is the one he did from 72, which is recognised as the first cannibal movie. Um and they were trying to bring him back to do it and word on the street is Mark uh, rumour in the rumour mill is that Lenzi asked for too much money and they were like we'll just grab this Diodata guy who up <laughs> until this point had been doing wait for it crime thrillers <laughs> yeah. he, and they're really really good he does all these Politsatishi movies which are essentially what came after the Jalo. Like, so Jalo was hugely successful, and then Jalo movies started to morph into essentially police procedurals. And it's Italian. Dramas. Yeah, pretty much. Um, and they're really, all of them are brilliant because they always have the one rogue cop. Um, not called Grabowski because uh, it's Italy. Uh, not Colombo. No. Just one, one more question. <laughs> yeah, one more question, sure. Um, it's. And like, but they're always great because the cop's always like a renegade cop, um, kind of like Dirty Harry, but usually up to his tits and pussy um, because it's, <laughs> it's Italy. Uh, so yeah, he was. It's like a kind of gun for hire, and I think I want to say this was his first swing at the cannibal movie. And by God, did he just change everything? Uh, uh, like, yeah, damn. Had he not made this movie, I think I think it's safe to say had. Lenzi made this movie, I don't think it would have been as grim. I think it still would have been exploitative, but I don't think it would have been as grim. I also think had Ruggiero Diodato not made this movie, I don't think Cannibal Holocaust would exist. So it's weird how history does things. Um, like, I don't think that movie exists. And then I think ultimately one of the tentpole video nasties, one of the movies that basically everyone pointed to is, this is the bad thing we're on about, wouldn't have existed at all. So it's weird to think that, you know, Ferox wouldn't exist, you know, like just a whole, like, like a movie like The Green Inferno, which I wish didn't exist, uh, wouldn't <laughs> exist. Um, so, you know, it's like there's a whole, there's a whole kind of timeline, alternate timeline, where none of this shit happens because Lindsay asks for a lot of money and the studio gives him it. 
Um, so that's one of them, and like I say, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is the other. So it's going to be a it's going to be a grim and fun show at the same time. Fun and grim, or 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 or, gr- or what can we call it? Fim. Fim is what it's going to be. Frim. Frim. That's frim show. Uh, so that's what we're doing. I was t- telling Mark just off here, we have a, what could all be described as Goofy as Ball show coming up next month, so I'm looking forward to announcing them. This officially, Mark, at this point, with episode number 17, I think we are almost at the halfway mark, believe it or not. Um, is that right? No, that's a lie. That's a total lie. Uh, uh, we are still... It's a like, l- <laughs> uh, it's like 40, 40 movies or something. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're close. To, yeah, we're a couple of months away from the halfway mark, and uh, we've still got some of the like the the greats still on the list down the line. We've still got Cronenberg to go back to. We have oh shit, we have things like uh, oh oh shit in my face, man. We've got Martin still to do. Oh. We. Extra, which is just like makes me smile because it's so fucking out there. Friday the Thirteenth, Night of the Living Dead, Phantasm, um, like there's a there's a, a a bevy of great movies ahead of us. There's also a lot of a lot of bad movies. There's one up here <laughs> called Abducted, aka Schoolgirls in Chains, which uh, uh, I imagine is just gonna make <laughs> my skin fucking crawl. Uh, so yeah, uh, or what about? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Naked Fist, aka Firecracker. Um, There's about mm. three fucking cannibal movies left too that are all still on the YouTube playlist that I created. Yeah, uh, I can't remember the titles of them, but I was, yeah, I was looking forward to that. Oh boy! <laughs> <laughs> well, with this like sheer optimism in our voices, let's turn our attention to uh, setting up the first movie. Now, I toyed with this. And because I want us to go out on a, a on a nihilistic tone, I think we should start with the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Okay. <laughs> so that's going to be the first movie we're going to discuss. Um, as always, we're going to take a short break. You're going to hear promos. Well, you're not. You're going to hear promos of people talking about the movie and why it was on the list. Texas Chainsaw Massacre is a super fascinating one because it was pretty much banned outright from '74. It just made its way into the nasties list um, in the UK. It wasn't ever really properly released in the UK, so um, it just got lumped into it. So it'll be fun to hear what professional they pick. It's likely to be someone like a Stephen Thrower, I would imagine. Um, we'll talk about Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and then you will hear the trailer. When we return, myself and Mark, we're going to discuss that movie right after this. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. The film that everybody assumes was on the video nasties list because all the films that imitate it were. But actually it wasn't. God knows why it slipped through the net. It was a fairly high profile video release uh, in the early 80s. And that's after it being refused a BBFC certificate. It only had a, a GLCX certificate with cuts. And it was uncut on 16mm. And that meant it was seen in London Uh, It was seen at a few select regional art cinemas. I saw it at the Brighton Film Theatre introduced by Alexander Walker with a discussion about censorship afterwards. You didn't see it at your local Isoldo or Classic. So by the time it hit video, there was much more of a want-to-see factor. If you were a horror fan, it was one of those films that had been difficult to get to see, and here it was at last. 
if you're a horror fan, you'd seen Halloween. You'd seen Friday the 13th. And all those pictures, they came round. Texas Chainsaw Massacre had a bit of a forbidden fruit aspect to it. And so it was in demand when it came out on video. It came out from Ivor Films, who put it out several different times. First, they put it out on 8mm for a market that, that disappeared very soon after. Then they brought it out on video, but in the 8mm boxes, which presumably they had a bunch left over. Then there was a slipcased edition, and then there were various sleeves. And meanwhile, uh, Charles Band's Wizard video, who had the rights to it in the States, Verona strangely brought out a few um, copies in PAL which were distributed here. So the market was so glutted, you know, you couldn't get enough Texas Chainsaw Massacres. It was one of those movies that a lot of people did see, um, against my advice, first on video because that was the only way they could see it. And then when the Video Recordings Act came in, it was off the shelves. It was one of the few films, The Exorcist was another that James Furman just said, no, Britain's not having this film. Texas Chainsaw Massacre was banned on film three times, and we tried to cut it. The company said, look, will you, know, will you work with us and see if we can cut it? There's very little on-screen um, atrocities. It's, 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 it's the slow terrorization. We cut five obvious bits, like the woman hung on a meat hook. Uh, and I brought it in and showed it to every member of the board, including the president, Lord Harlech, at the time. It was about 1978. And at the end of the film, they said, it's exactly the same. It makes no difference at all. The experience of watching it is the same, which is this relentless terrorization, particularly of the, the last surviving um, girl who uh, is mentally tortured, really, for about 20, 25 minutes. It's, uh, it's very difficult to watch, um, and and yet it's getting getting entertainment out of her suffering. And that was that was essentially what we decided on the basis of. And I think that it was a case of it just being the loudest, the most famous, the most known, and a lot of it is to do with the the title. If it had had a different title. I don't think it would have stuck in people's minds and been as famous as it was. Part of the genius of the film comes from its title. I mean, I remember the first person who told me about the film it was somebody who came back from America and said, you'll never believe what I just saw on a marquee in a cinema in the Deep South. He said, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And I remember being stunned at the thought that somebody would make a film called that. It was on a double bill with the incredible two-headed transplant, which must have been a, an evening out and a half. Um, but so that title. And even then, it, it got to the point where, where the BBFC just didn't like chainsaws. They changed Hollywood chainsaw hookers to Hollywood hookers. And if you saw the box to that, they just painted out the word chainsaw. So the lingering effects of Texas Chainsaw Massacre in, in British censorship were quite huge. I think actually it, it was a film that was not particularly well represented by video because it's a movie that's an overwhelmingly overpowering experience in the theatre. Not just because of how relentlessly suspenseful it is and how gruesome it is, sort of conceptually, it's like all the art direction just makes you want to be sick. But it has that really interesting layered soundtrack, that kind of David Lynchian grinding noises that go on underneath everything, even when the chainsaw isn't buzzing. And when you were in a cinema and having that, you know, pounded at you from all directions. I mean, I, 
I remember seeing it a couple of times in in the cinema in the 70s and it being an absolutely devastating, shattering film. Watching it on video, it was all right. It still worked. It still grips you. It's got a lot of stuff, but it's not quite the overwhelming experience it was as a movie. The only thing it had as a sort of hot button to annoy the sensors was the mere fact of the power tool, the mere fact of the chainsaw. And there isn't actually that much chainsaw action in the film. It's much more concerned with general queasiness and, uh, and being upsetting and pushing all the buttons. It's a key horror film. I still think of it as one of the, you know, the top 10 most horrifying films I've ever seen. I don't know if I would feel that if my first exposure to it had been as a video release in, in the 80s as opposed to a movie in the 70s. It's interesting, again, seeing it put in the context of all this other stuff. To me, it towers so far above films which would seem to be identical if you just go by the synopsis. And it shows just how much Toby Hooper brought to the table when he made this picture. What happened was true. bizarre and brutal series of crimes in America. survives what will be left the texas chainsaw massacre after you stop screaming you'll start talking about it and welcome back ladies and gents so you have just heard the trailer for the texas chainsaw massacre Ooh, this one is co-written by toby hooper and kim henkel uh, directed by toby hooper um, the movie stars Marlon Burns, Edwin Neal, Alan Danzinger, Paul E. Partine, William Vale, Terry McMinn, Gunnar Hansen, Jim Seidow, I think is how you pronounce that. John Seidow. Uh, John Duggan, Robert Cortine, um, and the, the voice of John Henry Falk as the, the storyteller. Uh, synopsis Ooh. for this one. Okay. That's Ooh. John Larroquette. Yeah. It says John Henry Falk here. That's weird. I don't know. He's probably got like seven names. It's probably because he's got like eight wives. Um, oh, no. I think they're talking about a different character. I think John Larroquette is un- uncredited in this movie uh, as the, the narrator at the very beginning. He is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The storyteller. Uh, they might be talking about like the guy on the radio or something. Possibly. Oh, they're like, yeah. Let's, let's, hey, 
This is not the cross the die on mark. You are right that John Larroquette is the narrator. He's listed here in IMDb as narrator. Um, synopsis is if you don't fucking know what the synopsis of Texas Chainsaw Massacre is. Jesus Christ. Two siblings and three of their friends en route to visit their grandfather's grave in Texas fall victim to a fam- family of cannibalistic psychopaths. Now, Mark, it's safe to say, like, we don't... <laughs> this is the sort of movie... I'm going to guess this is the one that you didn't watch. Uh, no, I, yeah. I, I've seen this dozens and dozens and dozens of times. Yeah, Texas Chainsaw Massacre on any given day is like maybe my second, maybe my favourite horror movie ever made. Um, uh, it's it's unbelievably good. I mean, it, like to the point where, like knowing the history of Toby Hooper as well, as in when you see what that goes off to do, the guy is inconsistently brilliant. Like, like, at times we'll release movies which I'm like, everything is here. Like he's laid it out in front of me. Everything is here. And then other times release movies where I'm like, that. Who the fuck made this movie? Like, who the fuck gave this guy cocaine? Right? Can we can we stop giving this guy cocaine? Because this is what happens. Um, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre as a f- debut feature might be the best debut feature horror movie ever made. It's, yeah, man, it's way up there. I, I would call this, like, top five greatest movies of all time, in my in my opinion. Mm. I, and I have seen this so many times. And the fucking story behind them making this movie is almost as fascinating <laughs> as the movie itself, because these guys were all super-duper green, fresh out of college. Uh, they shot this in Travis County, Texas, which is near Austin, I think. Um it, it just sounded like a complete disaster the whole time. Like, they're shooting in the Texas summer. It's, like, 125 degrees outside. Uh, they have, like, no money. Like, everybody's very new to this. They're, they're doing some fairly dangerous shit, like having a dude in a mask that can't see out of it, swing chainsaws around. Mm-hmm. Uh, the dinner scene was, like, a f- fucking 36-hour shoot or something. <laughs> And they've got, like, the blackout drapes over all the windows in this old-ass house without air conditioning, and everybody's, like, trying to die. Or mm. trying not to die, I guess. Um, so, yeah, the story behind this, and the whole thing with the uh, the mafia basically buying the rights <laughs> to this movie. I think, they're, I think it was called Bryanston Film Company or something. Uh, yeah, probably what they promised uh, the producers and Kim Hinkle and Toby Hooper was... Uh, yeah, we'll we'll pick your movie up right away and get it right in theaters, and you will make your investment back so you can pay your investors back and all that bullshit. And that was all fine and good, but then they put the movie in theaters, and it was a humongous success. Mm-hmm. Like made made a couple million dollars when like little like I mean the cost uh, I don't have it right in front of me, but it was like a hundred thousand, couple hundred thousand bucks to make this movie, like really, really dirt cheap, even for the time. And then it went on to make a shitload yeah. of money. Est- in estimated that- three hundred thousand US dollars, gross in the USA and Canada alone, thirty million. <laughs> yeah, that's a humongous return on investment that Toby Hooper and Kim Hinkle saw absolutely fucking zero of. Mm-hmm. Which I think was kind of the motivation for them to go back and make part two, like, uh, ways forward. Uh, I think part two came out in 86 or so. So yeah. over 10 years later, they went back to the well and made that movie. And uh, yeah, man, the first one, this is like uh, one of the nastiest movies that I saw early, early in life. I caught this on... 
uh, IFC back in the day when they used to do this cool thing where earlier in the day they would run the movie and mm-hmm. then later in the day if there was one they would run the movie with an audio commentary that they either got off of like the laser disc or like the if the, the this DVDs were still relatively new at this time like I was living with my parents I was like I don't know, 14 or 15 or whatever and yeah I, I, this was one of the first like audio commentaries I really remember hearing and it's Toby Hooper and Kim Henkel and Gunnar Hansen, I'm pretty sure. And it was just fucking fascinating listening to these guys talk about getting this movie made when I was, like, 14 and I really wanted to be a filmmaker. And, uh, yeah, so, so all that aside, the movie itself is fucking banana pants. Like, I don't even, <laughs> like... T- t- talk about the, the movie for a second, because it's, like... <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, like... It's like a fever dream. You know, what I mean, it's like the, it's the proper stuff of nightmares. This this movie, uh, this is the this to me is the very definition of how to make a movie terrifying by not, but by basically allowing your imagination to run wild. I mean, this yeah. is infam- infamously what, one of the least bloody movies ever made, yep. and everyone is convinced it's like once you watch this, you're convinced you see things that you just don't see. It's kind of almost like Psycho that way, where people are convinced they see the knife and the shower scene like penetrate skin and you don't. It's just very clever editing. It's just a yeah. lot of quick, quick cuts. And this, people are convinced this is a bloody movie and it realistically has like a couple of teaspoons worth of blood in it. And that is, that is, it is all cerebral. I mean, yes, you see nasty things done to characters, but you don't see any blood come from them whether it's a mallet hit to a head which is your first real indication that you're fucked right like I mean that is the the, the, the first that is the first kind of oh right well, you know everyone's gonna die sort of moment it's when Leatherface appears out of nowhere smacks a man over a head and you see the, just the foot shaking which I think is just one of those things that it's those little effects that they, they put in here those little attention to detail things that work so well but it is it's like if, if you are dreaming and having a nightmare, this is the sort of stuff that nightmares are made of. It's the inability to have a rational conversation with someone to make them understand that what they're doing is actually insane. And by reversal, what these people think they're doing is completely sane. Um, and they don't understand why anyone would be, you know... As terrified, or like you know, they obviously clearly get off on that, but it's that idea of like the just this is the norm for them, and that yeah. to me is that when you normalize insanity, that's what's terrifying. Uh, Leatherface himself is maybe one of the best on screen villains of all time because, especially the way Gunnar Hansen plays him, in that he just moves so clumsily, it's, it's like he's a hulking <laughs> huge man that just moves without any grace at all um, and there's something kind of terrifying about that because like you said before he's he's kind of partially can't see uh, yeah. and he's wielding one of the most dangerous implements <laughs> of uh, your power tool history uh, you know what I mean just swinging it around and like the fact that he can move as well like really like when he's running he's running and that is I'm trying to think you up to this point Killers didn't really move like this. You know, they didn't really, like, come out of nowhere sprinting, wielding a sharp object. 
like it's such a I mean it feels like such a rudimentary thing to do but it, it works so well with it the family are absolutely terrifying like absolutely and like the combination of the dinner scene you were talking about where they bring out like, the old grandpa comes out <laughs> and, and, and he can't even hold the mallet you know anymore because he's so fucking like, it, like it's just it, and the fact they're all laughing at it you always still got it in power it's just it's terrifying you know and it's just just, just like, the idea that blood is what's keeping him alive too like they just give him a little blood and it just like jump starts him out of his uh, vampire yeah, coma uh, uh, you know what I mean it's, it just it just works for them and I, when you add this to the fact that there is no real soundtrack to the, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre it's mostly weird noises which now is in vogue. Like, every guy making an indie movie now is either synthwave or they're making their own creepy noises by, you know, farting in a tin can. Um, you know, listen to the creepy noise that I made. So, like, all this stuff is just... It just works so, so well together. And then, like, this is the movie I always come back to on... Like, see when people talk about... I don't watch trailers anymore because trailers give the whole movie away. Go back and watch the trailer for the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> it tells you the whole movie. It really, it really does. Every kill in the trailer, I'm pretty yeah, sure. pretty much tells you everything that's going to happen in that movie. And I'll tell you right now, it doesn't lessen the experience in any way, shape or form. It's just, uh, I think on some level, the the greenness that you were talking about of the team, almost the naivety and a bit of the... On, on some level, the ineptitude of the filmmaking here is what makes this movie work. It's almost that, it, it's, the, it's the very definition of lightning in a bottle because, like, he, like Toby Hooper never managed to make a movie nearly as scary um, or viscerally cerebral as The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And then you hear him talk about how, well, there's no blood in it because I wanted it to be like a PG. <laughs> yep. I'm he like, thought this would actually pass for a fucking PG movie. And I'm like, oh, what fucking... This, like, see when... Oh, this is how, you know, someone's on the good drugs, Mark. Um, you know what I mean? When, when that's your thought. When you're like, obviously, but well, there's no blood in it. And there's like, well, there is fucking, like, psychological trauma. Is there? <laughs> um, and he saw it as a bit of a comedy. And that's why there's so many absurdist scenes in it. It's also why when he makes the second one, he leans more into the... The, the kind of comedy of it to kind of say well you know this is kind of what I was aiming for guys <laughs> I'm like where are you um, yeah, yeah it's a, it's, a, it's a movie which oh well any any one step being I think any one step being made better than what it was could adversely affect its longevity I think if this was if they classed this up even just a little bit the roughness of this movie the, the rawness of this movie is what kind of sells it. It's kind of what yeah. makes it work, especially its reputation, which, you know, like you say, did cinemas, did, uh, did the drive-ins, um, and, and it, it, you know, it made its reputation. It, it, you know, it made Toby Hooper the, the director that he became. You know what I mean? This guy got pretty much... He didn't have a lot of issues greenlighting much after this. Yeah. Um, mm. For a long time. And that's a good thing and a bad thing. The bad thing is he made some movies in the 80s which are just not 
like which cost like too much money pretty much bankrupt canon um if anyone's watched you know if anyone's <laughs> yeah. watched that amazing canon documentary um you see like basically like, yeah of course when when toby Hooper asked to make life force and asked for all the money we thought it was maybe too much but we gave it to him <laughs> for fucking yeah. naked space vampires and patrick stewart um you know what i mean it's is that is that sort of thing I, it's one of these ones where like i remember seeing texas chainsaw massacre for the first time on tv and i was 18 um I, sorry i would have been 19 sorry um and it was getting shown on channel 4 in the uk which is the, it was the tv station over here that would it would be a bit edgy because not public fun, public funded, so it could be a bit edgier and put edgy content in. And I remember it was just after a lot of the. This is after they repealed the the law against the video nasties, so there was tons of stuff on VHS. Vipco, Vault of Horror started putting out everything from Island of Death to Cannibal Holocaust and all the rest. I spit in your grave. And I remember Texas Chainsaw Man Massacre was going to play on Channel Four at midnight. And I like my 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 mum was away. I think I had the house to myself, and I was nineteen. And I, I did what every self-respecting nineteen-year-old who was obsessed with horror movies and getting ready to watch the Texas Chainsaw Massacre would do. Uh, I bought myself a bottle of Jack Daniels. Um, I sat down. Lights were all out in the house, and I fucking rocked this movie. Pissed out my face on Jack Daniels. Pissed to the point that I think I threw up. Um, and watched this movie and like in the morning was not sure if it was because I was drunk and the horrific hangover that I had was you know was related to the alcohol or if it was related to the film but I'd recorded it and I watched it the following day and realised it was the movie uh, it was at that point I was like that this movie is fucking horrific you know, absolutely horrific, and no wonder, no wonder I couldn't see it before. It just, it, it scared the ever-loving fuck out of me. I really, really did, and I was 19 at that point, and I'd seen quite a lot of the bad, nasty movies by then, and to me, is it still gets me. There's certain bits I'm watching this that my skin fucking crawls as a almost 40-year-old man. This movie's um, got, like, a smell to it, almost. Yes, like, yes. You almost smell this movie. It smells like B.O. and rotting meat and cow mm-hmm. shit. Yep, yep. It's the sort of smell that, you know, it's when you visit a place and then you can still smell it on yourself three days after. Yeah, You're like, I showered, st- like, seven times. <laughs> <laughs> it's got a stink to it. It's also yeah. a movie that, like, massively lends itself to being seen for the first time on, like, third or fourth generation bootleg VHSs. Yeah. I don't actually own like a 4K or like a super fancy Blu-ray of this movie. I still have a DVD that came out 15 years ago, maybe. It's it's a nice steel book, but yeah, it's an older DVD. And I'm like, I don't want this movie to look any nicer than this because I think it would take away from it. And uh, some of the, the, the strings would start showing a little bit, I guess you'd say. I want, you know, like, that's the ideal way to see this movie is yeah. in kind of like a, a rougher format. Like, if you can see, like, a film print of this, I, I think that would be fucking amazing. I, I, I've only ever seen digital of this, I think, but... Mm-hmm. It's good, so, though. Yeah. It's so, yeah, there's nothing else I can say about it, really. <laughs> I think it's... Like, like it, it is not... Like, this was an, this was an easy watch for this this show you know what I mean like Mark didn't have to watch it I didn't have to watch it I've seen this movie more times than I can count um, but you know I sat down uh, shoved it on what was it three nights ago 
and uh, marvelled at that again. And, like my testing poll for how well movies translate generation to generation is when I tell someone to watch the Texas Chainsaw Massacre who's never seen it before and then I gauge the reception on it and I always go back to a couple of years ago the Baz on Podcast Under the Stairs we did the franchise of Texas Chainsaw Massacre and he watched the first one and he said to me one of the best horror movies he's ever seen and I'm like that that's I mean there you go <laughs> like, yep. like, like guy didn't grow up on horror movies at all and he got it and it landed with him and I mean, that's, you know, it's, it's, it's about as good as it gets in our genre, so... This will be interesting, because it doesn't have a lot of blood in it. It does have some violence, but not, like, heinous violence. It's more psychological violence. It's all but, implied. Yeah, we, we now have to score this one, though, based on that. And if you're listening to us for the first time, why? Uh, go back and listen to some of the older ones. But we have a unique scoring system over here. And it's, it's based on... Um, the old uh, BBFC over here, the people that put uh, the the restrictions on movies in terms of what they would have maybe done in court against this movie. So the worst thing, the worst movies get what is known as a bit of hard time. Uh, just under that for movies that you, you know what you did, it was pretty nasty and you should have known better, you get a little bit of community service. For those movies that are dancing on the line of, of, uh, of doing things that are slightly taboo um, those are a little bit of a slap on the wrists and then for movies that are why is this even on the list um, I've seen more horrific things at my local greengrocers um, those are the case dismissed so Mark I am super curious about this one what do you give to Texas Chainsaw Massacre uh, this is kind of a tough one because mm-hmm. on, the one, on the one hand Toby Hooper generally, he genuinely tried to make this a PG rated movie. So he, he, I mean, like just because the, the content of the story and like what the story he's trying to tell is very graphic and disturbing, but he like went out of his way to like just dodge any kind of visual things that he thought the super prude sensors were, were not going to like, and we're going to give him an X rating for. Mm-hmm. So... I'm kind of tempted to case dismiss this thing because he at least like made an effort and there is like, I mean, this is like a master class and yeah, implied visual storytelling where like, uh, you, you know, you, you cut around the, the violence, but like, I mean, you do it so well that it's still like in the back of your head kind of, or like just, just out of your peripheral vision, something awful is going on. So... I don't know. I I would maybe give this a little bit of community service, but like this definitely isn't like. I mean, this is a fucking masterpiece, so I yeah. think this this should still be been able to come out. But yeah, de- I mean, de- definitely should probably have a warning on the front or something. This yeah. is uh, <laughs> this is a pretty disturbing, gnarly movie. But uh, there's man, like as far as stuff you actually see in the movie, like we've we're we're about to talk about one. Well, I was about to see like <laughs> you were about like like I'm kind of with your first thing. I think this is a case dismissed because I think like. Everything in this movie is designed to to skirt the line without showing you anything. Yeah. And, like, I don't think you can cut anything. I think if you were a censor, you would struggle to cut something out of this movie because they don't use 
uh, uh, kind of overt crass language um, most of the violence like you said before is implied or you don't see it or it's done off camera or you don't see any penetration of a hook on a body or you know when a hammer falls on a character it's in the distance um, that is all cerebral and psychological and like if I see a tip being cut off right I see a tip being cut off right now that might gross me out um, or it might not gross me out, but I've seen that. With cerebral, psychological horror movies, it either works or it doesn't. You know what I mean? But I've not seen anything. Like, if I don't pick up on the implied suggestion of violence, then it doesn't, it doesn't work with me. So it's up to me to almost be, on some level, educated enough to understand what is going to happen to a character without it being told to me. And that is what Texas Chainsaw Massacre does masterfully all the way right through um, and deliberately as well that's like that was Toby Hooper's intention from the start and I think he nails it so yeah I think there should be some sort of warning on it but at the same time I'm kind of I'm, I, I think this is a case dismissed because the next movie we talk about if ever there was a throw the book at them you know book them Dano <laughs> uh, it, it is the movie because it does the exact opposite at no point in the making of Cannibal from 1977, I think Ruggiero Diodato ever thought, if we make this implied, they'll, you know, maybe I should make this implied. And this he doesn't like, know uh, the meaning of the word. Uh, no, he shoots fucking everything. So I think on that level, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do a key dismissed. I think, I think that's how I feel on that one. Um, I mean, we've already set up. We're gonna have to talk about it. So yeah, yep, let's get into it. <laughs> Right, we're going to take a short break. You're going to hear more learned people talk about Cannibal from 1977. When we mark return, it's it's animal violence. It, it it's raping cannibalism. Yeah, content wording. We're about to talk about some awful shit. <laughs> Yay! And we'll be right back. Right Several years this. before he brought us Cannibal Holocaust, Ruggiero Diodato directed Ultimo Monte Cannibale, which translates as cannibal on this Duran video copy here. An atrocious transfer, by the way, is the BBFC print, cut by five minutes. So why the police kept seizing on it, no one could really understand. It had a lot to do with the fact that it featured the usual cannibal staple, which was uh, animals being slaughtered in nasty ways. Although the main scene in the Italian version where um, a woman sort of like gives birth to her newborn baby, bites the umbilical cord and then tosses the baby into the jaws of an alligator, does not survive in this particular print. Umberto Lenzi should have directed this. It was conceived as the sequel to Deep River Savages, the film that started off the cannibal genre in the first place. That's why it stars Ivan Rasimov and Mimi Lay again. In fact, Mimi Lay has a great scene in it where her stomach's torn open and coals are put in and she's sort of cooked on the inside to be more tender. In fact, Umberto Lenzi used exactly the same scene in his uh, later cannibal movie, Eaten Alive. Why I think this film is so successful is because stage actor Massimo Foschi really delivers an amazing performance here. I mean, whether he's ripping a heart out of a cannibal to prove that he's one of the Stone Age crew, or wandering around totally naked, completely sort of like not even noticing it, um, I think he's absolutely brilliant in it. Um, it's a shame that it does get such an atrocious transfer, and it's a shame that the director is sort of misspelt on the cover. It's Ruggiero Diodati on this, which just goes to show 
that it, back in those days, nobody really cared what they were doing. It was all about the video cover. Ruggiero told me that all the animals that were killed on camera were then used by the cannibals themselves to be eaten, um, which they would have normally done anyway. Although the gore scenes are quite surprisingly strong, what's quite strong for me are the sex scenes between Mimi Lay and Massimo Foschi. And they're very strong. I mean, even though Mimi Lay's got her sort of selfridges makeup counter eyeliner on, they look pretty authentic and they really must have gone for it. But, you know, it shouldn't be on the video nasties list at all. It's a beautiful looking movie. Go on, George, go in closer to Deodato. For more than three months now, we've been living in the jungle. Our only means of communication with the outside world has been this small plane, which at the moment is under repair, and the helicopter has been bringing out our supplies. We came here in the first place to make a film taken from a true story, and while filming, we've lived a real adventure ourselves in a world where cannibalism still exists. impossible that today there are still primitive tribes who have never seen a white man. Tribes still living in the Stone Age. It's very dangerous here. In fact, we have to be continually protected by armed men. dangerous, all right, but it fascinates me. It has no pity for man. It strikes when you least expect it. of fear, of danger. One of the local technicians disappeared a few days ago. Of course, we sent out search parties, but there's little chance of finding him in this infernal jungle. The Tajadots are cannibals. This is their environment, their world. At great risk, we have filmed the rituals and everyday life of a unique people, a rare document of the last cannibal world. Thank you. 
and welcome back. So you have just heard the trailer for Cannibal, a.k.a. Ultimo Mondo Cannibale, a.k.a. Jungle Holocaust, a.k.a. The Last Cannibal. Did you say it was The Last Cannibal? Yeah, that's what it's listed as on, on the YouTube version of this that I watched, which, yeah. going back to it, was very clearly a VHS bootleg because it had some awesome tracking marks down at the bottom, which... Mm. Uh, and everything the the picture is on that copy is really really fucking dark and muddy. Which uh, I'm I'm gonna go ahead and say maybe uh, benefited this movie a little bit because this movie had a lot of things I wish I hadn't seen. Well, this is um, and we've set up a lot of this at the start here. This is a movie which um, originally wasn't supposed to be directed by Diodato. It was supposed to be a Lindsay movie. Ended up being directed by Diodato, um, and this is technically his first foray into the cannibal genre we've also mentioned before he does Eaten Alive after this then goes on to do Cannibal Holocaust this is considered the first part of Diodato's official cannibal trilogy which has Cannibal Holocaust as the second and Inferno in Diretta from 1985 85 is roughly when 84-85 is when they try and do they try and bring back the cannibal genre so you get things like the original Green Inferno, aka Cannibal Holocaust 2, and it's shit, and it doesn't go anywhere, and it kind of it basically fizzles out um, after that. Meanwhile, you've got people like uh, Joe D'Amato who are doing kind of spin-offs about this time period. We've got the Black Emmanuel movies, um, which were the Italian Emmanuel movies, essentially. And I, I don't know if you have you experienced many Emmanuel movies, Mark. Uh, not many, but I'm familiar with what they are. Yeah, they're basically skin flicks. They're, yeah. they're there for you to masturbate yourself. Softcore porn. Essentially, yeah. Well, the you've got the Black Emmanuel ones, which were the Italian equivalent, where they put her in dangerous and exotic locations, like the one where um, there is one because I did it for the 88 films one. Where it is, it's like Emmanuel versus the cannibals or something. And it's basically, it's a, it's a cannibal movie where she gets muff-dived pretty much about 17 times during the movie. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a totally skippable movie. I would just let you know that right now. Um, just like, don't, don't fucking watch it. Uh, but yeah, so we're, we're here at this one. Um, screenplay has fucking God knows how many hands over it. Some big names of the time, like Renzo Gentry. Uh, Gianfranco Celerci and uh, Tito Car- Carpi. Um, you have Diodato behind the helm. Cast has uh, some familiar names in here as well. We've got Mimi Lee, who appeared in a couple of these movies. In Ivan Razumov, who appeared in the original um, Man from Deep River, uh, the original Lindsay Cannibal movie. Uh, he also appears in some more Cannibal movies. And uh, the synopsis for this one is an oil prospector, yeehaw! Uh, is, no, it's a gold prospector, Duncan, you're so silly. Uh, is captured by a violent and primitive cannibal tribe in the Philippine rainforest, but he managed to escape with a female hostage and tries to locate his missing companion and the aeroplane in order to return home. Yes, that makes it sound like a whimsical journey. Um... Uh, and I will say this about this movie. This one is much more... How do I word this? This one is much more kind of swashbuckling action-y than Holocaust. So this one is maybe more in line with Man from Deep River. It's just grossly more offensive. Um, but it is still that kind of idea that, you know, your cannibal movie needs to be 
like an adventure romp and less of a horror movie. Right. But it's the events that happen in the movie that make it a horror movie. Whereas when you none of the social commentary of Cannibal Holocaust. Well, this is yeah, this is it because this one isn't interesting that it has the word Mondo in it. You know, Ultimo Mondo Cannibale because it doesn't actually feel like a Mondo movie at all. Where Cannibal Holocaust is desperately swinging at the fences to be as Mondo as possible. Um, This one doesn't really have that. And actually, I will give slight props to Diodato having watched a ton of cannibal movies now um, and I've watched many more than I I feel I should have had to um, or that I wanted to uh, I will say that his cinematography and the way he constructs a film is really good he's, he's, yeah. he is good at what he does uh, when, it, when it comes to making as a director there's a reason he was a job for hire because he is he's a good director right and that is probably where all the praise and accolade will stop I think he is the reason that we follow this movie with some of the most repugnant stuff in cinema and I've said it many times before Cannibal Holocaust is to me one of the more important movies in the horror genre I genuinely think it is a a masterclass in subverting and psychologically twisting the viewer's mind at the same time, I think he could have done it with a lot less animal violence overall. And his excuses of, well, these tribes were going to kill these animals anyway, or these tribes ate these animals afterwards. I think when these tribes eat animals, they don't torture them while they're doing it. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? And I, I think that's the that's the big issue for me. There's a there's a point where there's a degree of voyeurism on, on how he shoots things that I think is unbecoming of almost I think he puts like he tries to lump tribes into a degree of barbarism that I think is unfairly flung on them I think yeah they eat eat animals but I don't think they torture animals to eat them Um, and I think he obviously tries to sensationalise that because it's it's more gnarly in a movie or it's more shocking to the audience Um where did it begin with this one? Uh, it follows, to be honest, it does follow Man from Deep River quite closely. The idea of someone kind of crash landing, you know, out of their depths, being abducted by a tribe, trying to ingratiate themselves into that tribe until they find a point at which they can escape. The difference being here is, if you've ever watched Man from Deep River, the, the, like, the Ivan Razumov character in that one manages to essentially pass all the trials of the tribe and basically becomes one of them. Um, before he manages to escape at the end. Uh, he's playing the long con, so to speak. Right. And this one, the guy's wanting out, like, pretty quick. <laughs> um, how, like, the, the animal violence in this one is not as bad as Holocaust. It is still very uncomfortable to watch. And, like, there's a scene where there's a... Fucking woman throws her our born baby to a crocodile and it's not expl- it's, you know what I mean you that's know what, what I, mean? I about lost it with this movie that was like this movie is fucking demented it is yeah the, the throwing you know I mean? the newborn baby to the crocodile scene I, was, like, like, the, like, I knew that's where they were going with that scene and even still when it happened I was my jaw just dropped I'm like oh my god yeah like, it's like it's this sort of thing when you're watching it and you're just like there's like they're, they're clearly there was there was no one on set that was like, no, 
<laughs> like, maybe like, you shouldn't do this. And like, like I mentioned it before, it has like I, I I'm, I'm always conscious of these movies and how. And when I say these movies, I mean video nasties in general. A lot of movies that made their way onto the nasty list are primarily on there for sexual violence or rape. Um, and of course, this has one. Um, and it's fucking unpleasant as fuck. And the camera is a little bit too fun with it, if you know what I mean. Um, like or loathe Irreversible. Irreversible shoots that shit in the worst possible way and the reason it shoots it in the, shoots it in the worst possible way by shooting it in the best possible way which is this is how horrific this act is and you will take it all in because this is how horrific this act is right. um, and this movie it's just like the music's just a little bit too happy and the camera's a bit too flirty and I'm watching it going this is just inappropriate on every fucking level and, and and then the outcome of the scene that yep. the, 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 where the scene goes uh, is, was maybe one of the most offensive things I've seen in any of these fucking so like he 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 our protagonist escapes the camp he snags this girl who quite frankly is a little bit too attractive to be like what so this is this is Mimi Lau who like made a career at being too attractive to be in these jungle movies okay, um. yeah okay that, that makes <laughs> that makes perfect sense so he escapes with her she's like real resilient like he's got, he's got her like tied up basically and is dragging her through the jungle and stuff and she's she tries escaping a couple times and then he just gets like fed up and fucking rapes her yeah and then the following scene she's like bringing him fucking breakfast and like that was what like broke her disobedience and now she's like it's it's so fucking grossly misogynistic and yep. fucking xenophobic and yep. fucking just awful awful yep. <laughs> this was one of the most fucking awful things i've seen in any of these movies and like i i'm pretty sure i paused the movie it was just like fuck you movie this is mm. fucking this is uh, so fucking gross you, you, it's one of those things where you feel like you need to shower immediately after watching it, it, it. made the animal killing seem tame by comparison yeah. just how fucking grossed out I was yeah it's, it's just it's just a, a fucking horrible scene uh, and it's a horrible scene in a movie which to be honest with you is a kind of horrible movie and <laughs> it's, it's full a, of horrible shit for sure it really is but I think that's it's almost like it, it, it's almost like like Diodato this is Diodato's dry run this and Eaten Alive are his dry run to essentially Holocaust which is his magnum opus of the genre um, but this is him kind of working shit out and him working shit out is pushing things far too far um, and you know it's just it's, it's, like I say it's, it's a movie that has I mean your central protagonist here is fucking horrible you know what I mean? I, I, like, I, if what they're trying to do is make you sympathise with him, it fails. If this movie is trying to make you sympathise with the cannibals, it fails. And what you end up watching is a movie which has no anchor point. Like, there is no one that you want to get behind. There's no one that you you want to see, you know, come out this unscathed because it makes the tribes people so unpleasant. And like I say before, I I believe there are tribes out there that are that have a specific way of living, and it's not my place to judge them. But I don't think there is ever as bad as how they're portrayed in these movies. 
um, which I think is mo- one of the most egregious parts of it. And yeah, it just it's a movie which gets progressively grimmer as well. The further you get into it, it's like I, I always laugh when people talk about movies like 120 Days of Sodom, and they're like, "Oh shit, sandwich, shit, sandwich," oh, like that. And I'm like, I mean, like, right, that's it's a bit gross to watch, right? I will give you that. I give you Cannibal from 1977, and all of a sudden your shit sandwich seems pretty tasty, right? Look at this shit. It's it's just there's no comparison. The Italians yeah. were like completely. It's a completely different level, and that's why I always come back to when people talk about things like an August Underground. Oh, wait till you see it, and I watch it, and it it's tame as shit. Or they, they talk about the guinea pig movies, and I watch them, and they're boring as fuck. Um, or even I've said it before, a Serbian film, which I'd like in principle is an unpleasant movie but it's so well shot yeah. you know and it's like it, it, it's it just, definitely the, way prettier than this movie for yeah, sure you know, well, you know, you know like, by that point I'm, I'm desensitised to a lot of what goes on it and there's just no comparison it's like there's absolutely fucking zero comparison there is a, a like a six year window where Italy was making some of the most brutal repugnant movies ever fucking made hands fucking down and they were just churning them out. <laughs> like, yep, left and their, right. Their directors were... Like, let's not forget, Diodato was up on obscenity charges for Holocaust and almost for murder. Yeah. For manslaughter in his own country because he hid the cast after Holocaust. So the... Like, it's part of the marketing promotion. And it wasn't until it looked like the case was going... Like, you're going to prison for a long time that he eventually was like, he's lawyer, you need to phone these fuckers and get them in here now. <laughs> Like, the makeup makeup effects are just sudden these movies get yeah. paid handsomely because it's uh, insane. Yeah, even <laughs> even the really bad ones, yeah, the violence is like incredibly like. I, I mean, occasionally there will be a shot where you're like, "All right, that's that's a dummy or whatever," but largely, man, a lot of this fucking stuff has really convincing special effects. This was 1977, the fucking yeah. same year yeah. Star Wars came out. Yeah, and like it's man. That that part that part's pretty goddamn mind blowing. Yeah, if, if if Obi-Wan Kenobi instead of chopping the hand off that guy in the cantina chopped off his dick. <laughs> um then we're talking about like great special effects. But in this movie and that's it, I think that's the other thing about just in general Diodato's approach to to these cannibal movies is you know, his 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 freewheeling love of chopping off a dick. You know what I mean? It's just like... It, yeah, like there's so many dicks in this movie. There's yeah. there's all kinds of... There's children dicks in this movie. Yes. Which, yeah. let's talk about that for a second. You would, that would never happen in a fucking movie now. Like, yeah. 100% and, and never well, happen. And then, like, you, you think about how... why How could they get away with that even in 77? Uh, I think, like... I think they would probably try and pull like the National Geographic defense yeah. and be like, well, this is how these people actually are. So, I mean, yeah. it's not, you know, it's it's just nature type of deal. But it's in this day and age, it felt dirty and gross. How many of naked course. children are fucking standing around in this movie? And I'm just like, oh, my God, I feel like I'm going to be all put on a list for fucking watching. Yeah, this yeah, there's just so many choices in this movie that just make it fucking dodgy as fuck. Like, <laughs> you know, what I mean? just like so many elements of this movie just make it grim and unappetizing and unappealing and like like just a movie that you do not want to revisit and I'd seen it before I'd seen this years ago right and like I say I'd, I've obviously conflated it with one of the other 
cannibal movies that must have come out around the same time. I'm wondering if it was maybe something along the lines of Mountain of the Cannibal God, which is about the same time period. Um, and I just remember it being a lot more kind of swashbuckling action adventure than this one, which, you know, it's just, uh, yeah. I mean, the thing is, you could, you could, you could list of a list of things that this movie should be indicted on and we would like from the beginning of a recording up to this point would still be reading from the list that's how... real quick about one scene that made me laugh really hard at just how fucking demented it was, it was please please he... tell us about when you left it was where he first gets captured and they they tie him to a rope that's like tied to the oh, top yeah. of the roof of this cave and they they like string him up and he, he realizes quickly in a really bad ADR line what's going on. He's like, oh my God, the plane, they think I can fly. Yes. So they're basically going to hoist him up like 40 feet up in the air and just fucking drop his ass. And like they have him up there for a second. He's like flapping his wings, basically <laughs> like, see, up, I can fly for sure. <laughs> and, then they just, and then they just fucking drop him. Yeah, <laughs> he fucking lands super hard. Like, I thought that was gonna be the end of that character. That scene, I'm like, oh, he's gonna fucking splat real yeah. hard when he lands on this one. And I kind of laughed at how demented that was, just because that was that was something I had never seen in a cannibal movie before. Like, there's a lot of the tropes and similar scenes, like yeah. feast feasting scenes and the animal killing scenes and shit that like are in a lot of these cannibal movies that I had never I had never seen before. So I kind of laughed at that part. Yeah, and as as the sound design in that cave scene is also fucking insane too. Like the the chanting and the sound of them like hitting sticks against the stones and that incredible fucking reverb that you get Mm -hmm. in that cave that just makes it sound like infinite and deafening and intense. Like that, I thought was actually really effective and like really kind of put me on edge in that scene, which was what it intended to do. So, oh, definitely, yeah. Like, you, we're seeing it now through. Well, like, I'm seeing this movie through eyes that've seen a lot of cannibal movies now, but like at this time, it still was a kind of little niche subgenre, and there weren't many of them. So they all kind of have those bits where they try and differentiate themselves from the... Oh, no, it's a weird genre because, like, if you look... Once again, if you look at the Italian police procedurals or the Jallos or the Spaghetti Westerns, they're all very much alike of the same thing. It's like, well, you know, Bird with a Crystal Plumage sets out a, a template, so we're just going to remake Bird with a Crystal Plumage, except this time our killer is going to be a man, or this time it's going to be a child, or this time it's going to be a ghost man dog. You know what I mean? It's like, they, they go, like, you know what I mean? They go a little bit... Same with the cops get progressively, in the police procedural ones, the cops get a, a bit more rogue, uh, you know, or they, they ride a motorcycle or something like that. The cannibal ones, it's like they go, it's like they almost try and completely outdo the one that came before. And it's it's all about pushing limits and pushing what they can and cannot do in cinema. Um, And to this point, it's probably, like, he obviously breaks it again. Uh, But to this point, like, you've never fucking seen anything like this. It's so. And because, like I said before, because he managed to get away with this. It allows him to do eating alive, which allows him to do a little bit more kind of flexing of how he's going to start to tell stories in this genre, and that leads to Cannibal Holocaust. So, without this movie, Cannibal Holocaust does not exist at all. I think you still get cannibal movies, but Cannibal Holocaust is the one that almost breaks the genre. Yeah. Like, Ferox comes out afterwards, and Ferox is basically a ripoff. Um, 
and you know after Ferox you don't get anything even nearly remotely as graphic as that they just don't do them anymore they try and bring them back but they're more in line with the swashbuckling adventure than they are about the kind of the mondo stuff and right. at that point they've, you know it's like almost Italian cinema pivots to the right well you know you know what did really well zombie flesh eaters did really well so let's start doing all this zombie filchy shit and making tons of these because we can be really gross and really grim in all of them um without necessarily showing animals being eviscerated or you know dicks being chopped off um or people being raped with stones uh, you know it's just as it's, it's a it's a horrific subgenre and and you know i i i'd like to say every time we've still you are right we've still got a few i if memory serves the ones that are on the list still for us to get to are not as graphic as this which right. is our only saving grace or like genuinely because every time i think about we're gonna have to do one of these. I'm like, oh, here we fucking go. Um, <laughs> yeah, kind of same. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna lead us on the the grades for this one. Um, I mean, this to me is what <laughs> this to me is what hard time is designed for um, as our grade. Uh, it, it's just so unabashedly graphic on everything it does, and it doesn't even try. Like we said before, there isn't no point here that Diodato was like maybe I should just turn the camera away and let the audience <laughs> let the audience imagine what they have now he shows you everything and everything's pretty fucking gross and grim so yeah, this is hard time from me um, and how this movie this is what blows my mind having seen some of the movies that were on that tier 1 and tier 2 list how the fuck Cannibal ended up on the tier 3 list it is, is mind blowing is absolutely mind blowing because uh, there are see. so many movies that are nowhere near as horrific and they did do cuts to this movie there's about four minutes worth of cuts for its release um, oh, which yeah, were, in, were in animal violence in the rape scene um, but even then like, I'm like I could cut like half an hour out this movie and there's still shit in here that is deliberately offensive so yeah hard time from this guy what about yourself uh, yeah, absolutely. I'm throwing the book at this one. This this was uh, this is a really rough watch. Even even though I've seen more than my fair share of these kind of movies, uh, yeah. The uh, fuck your animal violence. <laughs> fuck your rape scene that has you know positive results on our fucking characters. That's mm-hmm. that's awful. Uh, fuck your xenophobia. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> It's just such a, like, uh, these fucking movies have just, like, such a colonizer mindset. They're like, rape is okay, killing the natives is okay, yeah. fuck the environment, we're gonna kill the animals too, like, it's, 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 it's Eastern European white boy shit, fuck it, I hate it, fuck this movie, go to jail. <laughs> right, uh, and with that, we're gonna take our final break, when we come back after promos for shows that we love, we will be closing it out and telling you what our next two movies are. And uh, yeah, it's a bit more fun. Well, that's all I'm going to say about Thank God. that. We're going to be right back right after this. This is a test of the emergency podcasting system. Listen to the Psychosemantic Podcast. Politics, movies, and political movies. Find us on Facebook, iTunes, Stitcher, legionpodcasts.com the psychosemantic podcast and you've been listening to doing the nasty and that has been particularly nasty this episode this has been episode number 17 of season 2 
We got through it, which means we are turning our attention to what is coming up in one month's time. And oh, oh hello. Um, it's time to get a little bit of Spanish murder mystery horror Ooh. up in this bitch. Uh, we are going to be doing our first Paul Nashi movie, which, I mean, it's, it was inevitable he was going to appear on this list. Uh, we're going to be doing The Blue Eyes of the Broken Doll. That's that right. A cool fucking title. Yeah, or Los Ojos Anudes de la Mun. I shouldn't have done this. Uh, Muneca Rota. There we go. Which, yeah, I don't know what that means. Probably Blue Eyes of the Broken Doll. Um, a synopsis for this one is an ex convict troubled by dreams that he strangles women, is hired as a caretaker, and an estate owned by three very strange sisters. Soon after his arrival, a serial killer begins slaughtering blonde, blue eyed women. And leaving their eyeballs in a bowl of water. So there's a bit of the kind of Sounds Spanish giallo. Rad. Yeah, a bit of the Spanish giallo in this one. It's from 1974. And then we're going back further than that, Mark Ball, for movie number two, which is <laughs> uh, a little zombie fair with Mad Doctor of Blood Island. <laughs> wow. Yes. Uh, Mad Doctor of the Blood Island. Um, two directors, uh, interestingly enough, assigned uh, to this one. Synopsis for this one is from 1968. A man who loves to travel travels to an island where a mad doctor is creating zombies. Full stop. Uh, All right. <laughs> sure it wasn't on the TripAdvisor brochure. Um, <laughs> giving this one a thumbs down. Uh, I'm not one familiar star. with either of these movies. I think I've seen Blue Eyes of the Broken Doll, but I think I've seen it under a different name. It's just the the the, the eyeballs in the bowl rings a bell. Uh, I've never seen Mad Doctor of Blood Island though. But to be honest, Mad Doctor of Blood Island also goes under the name Tomb of the Living Dead. So, I, which once again I've still not seen. So, uh, so yeah, that's where we're going next week. So I don't think we'll be getting much like full on animal violence or full-on rape in either one of these movies which oh, we're, we're going back to the eyeball subgenre <laughs> yeah. of headless eyes and mansion of the doomed and it's been a while it's been a while man a lot of eyeball movies on this list love it eyeball trauma for the win um yeah so we'll be back in one month's time and we've got that there's a couple of shows like coming up uh, real soon which make me very fucking happy uh, like I say in the next couple of episodes we'll be looking at Extra which is like I, every time I watch that movie I love it more it's super we'll bananas yeah we'll finally be getting to Insemnioid um, by Norman J. Warden which is an alien ripoff and it's fucking amazing um, and yeah like towards the end of the year uh, we'll be finally sitting down and checking out a little bit of Romero again when we do Martin. So there is loads of stuff still to come. Uh, there's a load of stuff in here which is absolutely shite, but um, we, we, have to take, we have to take the sweetness of our hand-in-hand, hand, Mark. Now, you yep. do a lot of cool stuff. Where can people check it out? Uh, find me on the Twitters where I yell at people and uh, post things. Get me banned sometimes. Uh, that's uh, at the fancy mark. Uh, the Instagrams I've been less active on a little bit, but I've got a lot of old like it's like thousands of pictures of like toy photography and uh, gardening projects and records and bullshit. Like that's that's also at the fancy mark on the Instagram. Uh, find us on the Facebooks. Uh, we, there is a doing the nasty 
Facebook group, but it seems mm-hmm. like a lot of doing the nasty related stuff gets posted in the podcast under the stairs Facebook group, which is fine as long as it's somewhere like keep doing you folks. Uh, yep. But yeah, <laughs> j- j- join, join those groups. Uh, uh, check out the other shows on the Teapots Collective uh, feed, like Chronicle and mm-hmm. uh, what's the one called Jaws is Shite and Other Regrettable <laughs> Outbursts. <laughs> Which I think just had a new episode come out. Uh, right yeah, since, yeah, that's, that one's uh, yeah, that one's not safe for work. <laughs> and as as it should be, I mean, the word "shite" is right in the title, so uh, you, yeah, you know what you're getting yourself into. We bleep it out. We mark. bleep it out. Otherwise, we bleep it out. The iTunes is gonna boot you. Uh, also check out our buddy Tony's show the Video Nasty Project uh, I think they just did Texas Chainsaw Massacre like yeah we're twinsies ago. up yeah we're twinsies up recently because we did Suspiria and then they dropped Suspiria um, and now yeah we've, uh, we've they've just dropped Texas Chainsaw Massacre their episode is brilliant so go and check it out yep. uh, for sure and like I say I'm, I'm going to try and see if I can get him on before the end of the year so I will send him the list of what we've got here and he can he can pick whatever he wants to come on and do and we can have a little crossover which should be fun yep nice right ladies and gents that's you had your fellow more nasties action trust me me mark have uh, we're going to take a month off now um and recoup from cannibal but we will be back in one month's time with episode number 18 looking at blue eyes of the broken doll and tomb of the living dead aka mad doctor of blood island Until we speak to you next time, though, take care. Bye, everyone. Bye. They were called nasties, and they were nasty. Some of the things that we've seen are so horrific. These films not only affect young people, but I believe they affect adults as well. An extravaganza of gory violence, capable of depraving and corrupting those who watched it. I have never seen the video, Mister. I wouldn't. I actually don't need to see what I know is in that film.